Well, good morning on all 14 campuses across the state of South Carolina. And if you're joining us online or maybe you're listening to the podcast after the fact, we are glad you're with us. We're one church in 14 locations, but now we come together for the first time all day long. And so Anderson Campus, can you help me welcome all of our campuses real quick with a hand clap? Yeah. I'm grateful that you got to watch that groups promo. Today, that's where we're going. We're talking about groups and that the Life-Giving Church connects with groups. But before I get into the content of our message, I want to reference one more time, six days away, big, big week for us at New Spring Church. I want to invite you to do a couple of things. One, six days away from now, we're having our Tighten the Knot Marriage Conference. Would you pray this week for the folks that are coming to this conference. Maybe that's you, but there's a lot of you that might not be here, but I just wanna invite you to pray because we know for a fact many hundreds of the folks that are coming are coming as a part of their preparation for marriage. They're single and they're dating, they're serious, they've had the DTRs, many of them are engaged and they're heading into marriage. So I wanna invite you to pray for them. We know there's a couple of hundred folks that are in that category. Pray for them this week. There's a whole nother set of folks that have basically said through counseling and through conversation, this is their last effort at their marriage. And so I want to invite you, church, would you join our pastoral staff in putting that before the Lord? Every day this week, pray for those marriages that are coming. They may have been separated. They, they haven't yet um, gone all the way through with a divorce. But I want to invite you to pray that God would do a miracle this coming Saturday because we've got lots of folks that are in that situation and everywhere in between, lots of marriages that are good that want God to make their marriage great Thousands of folks are signed up. We're going to have it here in Anderson and there in Columbia. And uh, we hope you'll be there to join us. But I want to invite all of you to pray. If you'll pray for those folks every day this week, let me hear you say an amen. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I want to start off the service today. We're in week three of Life Giving Church um, with a little bit of a fun factoid about me. I don't know if you have quirks, but I've got a quirk. And one of my, my small quirks is that I like to laugh at other Christians. Anybody else likes to laugh at other Christians? Come on, show of hands. Okay, maybe it's mean, but I like, to, I see your hand. I like to laugh at other Christians. What I mean by that is Christians do some pretty funny stuff. And we kind of have this subculture all to ourselves. One of the spaces that I love laughing at is funny church Signs. Anybody else here with me? Anybody else here with me? I actually have a book somebody gave me a couple years ago on my birthday, a funny church signs that goes all the way back to like the 50s. I got a couple of my favorite funny church signs to just put in front of you. If you think they're funny, I'll invite you to laugh. If you don't, then you can just, you know, not laugh. But here's the first one, funny church sign I want to put in front of you. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. I thought that was pretty funny. That's not a life-giving church. All right, don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. Okay, next funny sign real quick. Whoever stole our AC unit, keep one. It's hot where you're going. <laughs> Somebody just telling the truth, amen? I think that's a reference to hell. I'm not sure, but okay, all right. How about this next one right here, funny church sign. Do you know what hell is? Well, come hear our preacher. Okay. Oh, man, I hope some of you didn't laugh too hard at that one. Uh, we jump into this sermon, but you never know, right? You know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. I guess... That person was excited that their preacher either preached on hell or it was a little tongue-in-cheek double entendre. They were a little snap right there. and They needed a pastoral search committee at that church. Um, here's the next one. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Uh, it's not here at the Anderson campus where, where this is being uh, videoed right now. We bought a big piece of property years ago in the middle of a, of a cow pasture. So there's not a lot of other things around, okay, if you've never been to the Anderson campus. I know some of our other campuses are in the middle of different places. The home church that I grew up in um, it was right off of Church Street, and there was a Methodist church and a Baptist church and a Presbyterian church and a Catholic church and so forth and so on. Lots of the churches in the same part of town. 
Well, one of those moments where one church says something and the other church across the street gets a hold of it and they go back and forth, okay? Maybe you've seen this. I don't know if you've seen it, but if you haven't, we'll do this together. It'll be a little bit of fun. The Catholic Church says, all dogs go to heaven. Side note, let me just give you a little context. This is one of the questions that pastors get asked all the time. Where does your dog go when it Well, the Catholic Church wanted to let everybody know that all dogs go to heaven. Well, the Presbyterian Church across the street took offense, thought that wasn't quite theologically deep and sound enough, and so they retorted with, only humans go to heaven read the Bible. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, here we go, okay? Now, what do you do, okay? Turn the other cheek, right? Well, no, the Catholics decided to have a little fun. They came back and said, God loves all of his creatures, dogs included, Presbyterians across the street. And then the Presbyterian church says, dogs don't have souls. This is not open for debate. <laughs> all right, this is nice. I don't know what town this is in, but they're having a good time. And to which the Catholics respond across the street, Catholic dogs go to heaven. Presbyterian dogs can talk to their pastor. I thought that was good. That's good. Call your pastor. And the Presbyterians decided, no, 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 don't call your pastor. Instead, just read our sign. And it said, converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul. <laughs> and so the Catholics came right back and said, well, free dog souls with conversion over here at the Catholic Church. They see it as an opportunity. We'll get some more folks in our church. And then the Presbyterians say, Dogs are animals, there aren't rocks in heaven either. I can't imagine what's going on in this town. And then the Catholics bring it full circle with this. All rocks go to heaven. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about when I say I like to laugh at Christians. This is, I like to laugh. We have these really funny, ridiculous things that we do. Now, that's funny in here, and we can all laugh at kind of the Christian subculture. But what's not funny is when the world out there is laughing at us. Because that's what they know about Christians and church, is they know what we say and what we do and kind of the little trivial things that are kind of culturally weird. And that's not who we're called to be, amen? And that, we don't have any sign kiosk at New Spring Church, praise God. But if we did, we have one message that we're putting up as a vision statement that we've been rallying around throughout this series. I wanna remind you of what that is. Here's what New Spring Church's vision statement is. New Spring Church is a life-giving church marked by the presence of God activating you to impact others. This is who we are as a church. We had a vision Sunday a few weeks ago and we clarified this and, and we've invited you to jump in and two weeks ago, Pastor Dan talked and we talked about a life-giving church as a church that serves. Last week, we talked about a life-giving church as a, as a church that honors God with their first and then this week, we're gonna talk about specifically the life-giving church that builds a life-giving community. We're gonna invite you to take a step in to saying yes to a group at New Spring Church today. That's where we're going. I wanna show you the roadmap though in just a bit with some scripture, but let me just say this. We, every single week, want you to leave our service at a New Spring campus feeling like you have a little bit more life in your, in your bloodstream, a little bit more wind in your sails, a little bit more joy in your heart. The world is rough out there, amen? But we wanna be a church that is known that if you come on a Sunday morning and you make the effort to get here, you set the alarm and you get the kids up or you wake the husband up or husband, you get your family up, that you walk in and you experience life when you leave. That's our aim. In addition to that, we wanna make sure that you know that we are a church marked by the presence of God. 
He's the source of our life at New Spring Church. It's not the technology or the technique. It's not the, the funny laughs we have on stage. This right here, the life we have is all connected to the source of all life. From him, through him, and to him are all things. To God be the glory. We're a church and a people marked by the presence of God. But we don't stop there. One of the things we want to make sure we say again and again and again is that our job as preachers, as we lead and feed every single week from the platform, is we've got to get us to a point where we are activating, where we're activating you so that you might go and impact others in your world. The shorthand way of saying this is on Wednesday, your coworker should feel that you were at church on Sunday. On Tuesday, your classmates should feel that you were sitting at a New Spring service on a Sunday. Because it does us no good if we come and we nod our heads and we take our notes and we go through the religious motions if our world isn't transformed by the love that has impacted us. Amen? As a matter of fact, our world is sick of those kind of Christians that are just religious in action but not authentic in their lives. And so we have a job to do this morning. We have to, one, allow the Lord to impact us, activating us so we might go and impact others. And so over the next few moments, I'm just gonna be as honest as I can. I'm gonna try to do my dead red best to sell you biblically on taking a step in to Christ-centered community. Everything we've done here this morning is incredible, is great, but I want you to know this, the gathering of the saints on a Sunday morning or, or coming to a church service is not the end all of the Christian life. And if you want to experience the full power of what God has on offer for you, what Jesus died on the cross to give you, then you have got to understand a few things. The first thing I want you to take note of, if you've got your app open, it's already preloaded in your scriptures, but if you don't, you can take this note. I want to show you the map of how this works in the church. It comes from the book of Acts, chapter five. I'm gonna put the scripture up in just a moment, but here's the deal. Go all the way back in the story of the church 2,000 years ago, and the church started with just a handful of people. It started with a group of 11 disciples that would become 120 followers of Jesus, that would become 400 followers of Jesus, the first church, and they had a method to their madness. And I wanna show you the blueprint of the way the life-giving church multiplies and grows. And it hasn't changed for 2,000 years. There is one blueprint for the way the life-giving church multiplies and grows. And so it's in Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Let's read it together. It says this in Acts 5. It said, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not, the church, did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Now, real quick, the story of Acts is the story of the church starting. If you want to know how the church began, if you're leaning in and just kind of kicking the tires of Christianity, the book of Acts was written by Luke. He was a medical doctor. He wasn't a Jewish man. He was actually a Gentile follower of Jesus, and he records the book of Acts super thorough about how the church got started. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, and all throughout Acts, he, he's going to point out that there is a message of the church, and then there is a method of the church. The first is the message. It's right here in the text. It says that they were teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. That's the message of the church, every church. Doesn't matter if you have a denominational banner you gather under or where you are in the world, the message of the church is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on our behalf, substitutionary, substitutionary atonement, where he took 
the sin that I earned and you earned, and he extends to you the chance to have life and life eternal. Um, this is the message, the good news message, and that when we receive Jesus Christ, we step across the threshold and become a follower, and he has so much more on offer than just simple salvation believism. And I want to show you what that is today, but I want you to see the message never changes, and neither does the method. The method that is laid out right here in Acts chapter 5 is, is a method, listen, that impacts our everyday not just our Sunday, amen? It impacts our everyday. And it, and it tells you that this is a two-pronged approach, that the first thing that they did is they gathered in the temple, all right? That's what they had back then, but if you go and read other translation, it actually it specifies the temple courts. So there was a huge gathering of believers every single week. That's what church is on Sunday. But it goes on and it says, and from house to house. And from house to house. That's what I want to talk to you about today because I think we, we get the temple courts thing. We, we do big church well. Um, there are lots of people that have a, a, a real understanding that gathering on a Sunday is an important value when you come together. And, and this is something that the church saw immediately. I mean, Jesus resurrects. He commissions the church. They go and they preach the good news. And literally, they go from like 120 believers to 3,120 believers in a moment. Just real fast. Bang. And so they went to a mega church level real quick. And so I just I want to say, as you read the book of Acts, what you're going to see is church is both big and small. And there's an, there's an argument out there in the earth that says, no, 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 you either do church one way or the other. I want you to know that in New Spring Church, we do it both ways. Amen? We're going to do big church and we're going to do small church because the method of the church, if it's going to be life-giving, has to be both. It's got to be big on Sundays, big with the saints, big at 14 campuses, tens of thousands of people lifting up the name of Jesus. There's something special about getting together in big church. But we also have to recognize the priority that it's not a Sunday-only Christianity. There's an everyday element, and that's going to happen when we step into gospel-centered community and we say yes to it every single day. That's what, what Luke is writing here, that in house to house. Now, a little bit of history on this right quick. The church literally in the first 300 years of church history from basically 0 AD to 300 AD, the church goes from 11 to millions. Think about this. 11 people to millions of people, hundreds of thousands of Christians around the Mediterranean rim, around the known world. The church was so impactful that the, the Caesar at the beginning in AD, right, 33, was completely against Rome and Caesar was completely against Christianity. But, but 300 years later, the Caesar was himself a Christian. And he became a Christian. So how did this dynamic transformation and growth and life-giving multiplication occur, it's because people understood the revelation that we're sharing here today. It hasn't changed. The message and the method are the same. Gospel message and method of big church gathering on Sunday and small church gathering house to house because small groups are an incredible value. 
All right? So here's what I want to say is um, there's two things now that I'm going to jump into that you've got to catch because these are on offer for you. And Jesus has died on the cross and resurrected to give them to you. And it's so, so important that you grab these. The first one is recorded in 1 John uh, chapter 9. Or, or first, excuse me, 1 John 1 verse 9. Okay? Here's what 1 John 1 verse 9 says. The Bible promises that if we confess our sins, now watch this, we take we take and confess our sins. Confess just means admit to them. We, we confess our sins. Where do we go with this? Um, we confess our sins to God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I want you to see this. Um, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's the point I want you to write down. 1 John 1, 9 confirms this. Forgiveness comes from God. Catch this. This is important. You don't have to come to church on Sunday or any other day of the week to get forgiveness. You, can, you don't have to clean up to show up. This is one of the distinctives of Christianity, by the way. Every other religion in the world is different than this. Every other religion, you name them out, any of them, tell you you've got to get your act together if you want to be a follower of them, of their God. You've got to clean up to show up. And if you do enough good stuff, then that God will welcome you into that religion. Christianity is completely different. Christianity will meet you right in the middle of your dirtiness, your brokenness, your addiction, your divorce, all the things that could be going on in your life. Jesus stepped down into the middle of that and he meets us right there because our Jesus is not intimidated by our sins. Somebody give me a good amen on that. He loves that. He steps right down in it. And here's the bottom line. The only people that only people that experience the power of forgiveness are people that will admit to God that they're broken and in need of it. Many of us have said yes to that reality at some point in our lives. But I just want you to know that's on offer this morning. You don't have to do it at church. You can do it in your car. You can do it on the golf course. You can do it at your home, your dorm room. You can do it in a jail cell. You can do it wherever you are, deployed. Uh, wherever you are, you can ask the Lord to forgive you. Confess your sins to him and he will forgive you and cleanse you. Forgiveness comes from God, but watch this, because this is where we, many Christians miss this. But here's the other thing on offer. The brother of Jesus, James, in 5.16 says this, therefore, same thing, confess your sins, not to God this time, to one another, and pray for one another that you may be, and here's the word, healed. I want you to see this in the text. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This is a big deal. Okay, forgiveness comes from God, but here's what James, the brother of Jesus, wants the church to know. Here it is, you ready? But healing comes from God's people. This is so important. You've gotta see this. Now, there's nothing special about God's people other than they have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. That's it. That's what's on offer here is the power of the Holy Spirit in the vehicle of God's people. And so healing comes from God's people. I'm gonna back up. I want you to see it again. Check and see if I'm lying to you. You shouldn't just write it down because some preacher with a mic says it or, it, or, it's, or it's alliterated or it sounds nice on Twitter. You should actually see it in the text. Look where it is. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So God provides forgiveness and God's people are the ones that provide healing. So here's the implications, okay? You gotta catch this. I sat in church services like the one you're at today for years as a saved Christian. 
I started following Jesus when I was nine years old. I was sitting on the third row of a, of, a, of a church service in North Carolina and responded to the gospel years. But it was literally at least a decade of living without this reality in my life where I was forgiven, but I was dealing with cyclical sin in my life. Specifically, I've shared it from this stage. My cyclical sin was a lot of things, but the primary one was pornography. And I would struggle all the time in church services like the one you're sitting in and pray and ask the Lord and forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Why do I keep struggling with this God? Would you make a way? And, I'm, and every single week I'm coming to a service one after another and I'm asking for forgiveness, but I'm going back and maybe a week, maybe two, I'm dealing with cyclical sin. And it was because I did not understand the power and the freedom that is on offer through healing uh, and the healing specifically of God's people. And it wasn't until I was in Christian community, not just on a Sunday gathering, where I was able to articulate my struggle and all of a sudden the sin pattern stopped. And the healing that I, I needed for over a decade came. And there are so many people that fill churches up every single Sunday morning that are forgiven, but they're not healed. Maybe this is your story. Maybe this is what you struggle with with the addiction or the mindset or the ideology or, or, or the first marriage or the shame and the guilt of the past. And So here's what I want you to understand is you've got to catch this. This is the bottom, bottom line is that we all, every one of us, healing comes from God's people, but we all need friends that are friends of God. Let me say it again because you've got to catch this. We all need friends that are friends of God. Every single one of us. And so what's, what's on offer that the church and only the church has is, is this ability. Is that God has made a way for you not to struggle with that same cyclical sin, but to begin to walk into the forgiveness that he has on offer, the healing that he has on offer, the freedom that he has on offer, and a life that you can live that is not constantly tied to the past regrets and the shame of your yesterdays. So here's the way that you can write it down or you can say it, is if we don't get over our yesterdays, we cannot live out our tomorrows. And this is, this is where so many Christians get stuck. College students, listen to me. You've got to walk in the freedom that is only on offer from the healing that is provided by God's people or you'll step into your marriage and your career and it won't matter where you move or what job you have, you'll struggle with your yesterdays and you'll never live in your tomorrows. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're in between Life in some kind of way. Maybe, maybe your marriage blew up, your first marriage exploded, and, and so you're, you're, you're single again, and you didn't think you'd ever find yourself in this space, and you struggle even to come to church because you feel insecure about your past, but here's the reality. You need to know that God has on offer a healing and a freedom inside of Christian community. It's the only place you're going to find it, that if you will begin to say yes to what God has on offer here at the church, you'll walk out of your yesterdays and begin to have a life abundant in your tomorrows. It is a big, big deal. So here's, here's the things that I need you to, to really, again, wrap your mind around is what do you need to do? What are, what are the things that you can activate today on every single campus? It's really, really simple. Number one, I wanna invite every single person on every single campus to understand this. We all need a group. Tap your neighbor and tell them you need a group. Wake them up, say you gotta get a group. Reach over the row in front of you and, and say, hey, do you have a group? Turn around and tell them, hey, quit poking me. You need a group. You need a group. We all need a group because healing only comes when we get around other believers because we need a group. 
I'm going to tell you again, I've been in multiple groups. At New Spring Church over the last couple of years, I've been in a couple of men's groups, radical mentoring groups. I'm in one right now with, with eight other guys. And I'm a pastor here. I need a group. My wife and I have a group. My, our marriages need groups. If we're going to be successful at raising our kids, we need groups. Women, you need groups. Men, you need groups. College students, you need groups. We do groups ministry at every single level of the church. And it's not because we're all about programming. It's because we're all about freedom and healing. And you're not going to get that on a Sunday morning only. Amen? We all need a group. You need a group. Number two thing we can do when you get a group is number two is we all need to take off the mask. This is what groups are about, and this is what groups will help you with. Genesis chapter 3, you can go read it later. I'm not going to put the text up, but basically the bottom line is when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says that no longer were they naked and unashamed. Instead, they walked in shame, and they covered themselves up with fig leaves. They created the first mask. And ever since, we as humans are born into a world where we do this almost effortlessly. There's three masks that every single one of you on every single campus, even myself, have. The first mask, if you want to write this down, is called the arena mask. The arena mask is the one that you know you put on and everybody else does too. If you want a good example of the arena mask, it's probably your Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter avatar. That's your mask. It's the one that everybody knows is your best projection of you. It's the one that if you're standing in the arena in the middle of all the lights, everybody knows you're putting your very best foot forward. They know it and you know it. It's the arena mask. My arena mask, the one I put forward is I'm a husband and a dad. Every one of my profile pictures, I went and looked at it. I was like, I'm putting that forward. I want you to know I love my wife and I love being a dad. I love my kids. You have an arena mask. It's one of the things you need to recognize and you're invited to take off that arena mask inside of a group. The second mask you've got is your blind spot mask. Now, your blind spot mask is really tricky because you know the thing about a blind spot is you can't see it. And so everybody else in your life knows about your blind spot mask. It's the one that your spouse knows about. It's the one that your kids know about. It's the one that maybe your coworkers know about, but it's the one that you have no idea about. It's your blind spot. You don't even realize you put it on, but as soon as you get around that group of people or you're operating that kind of stress or you're, you're dealing with that at work or that at school or in this relationship, it's your blind spot mask. It's what you put on on a Friday night when you're with, you know, you're going out buddies. Now, it's, it's the thing that you do when you get together with that group of girls. It's, it's the, the thing you only do when you're around the guys in the locker room. It's your blind spot mask. You don't even realize you do it, but when you get in a group, you're invited to remove that and you let other people begin to speak into the reality that you have a blind spot. And the third mask, the third mask, arena mask, blind spot mask, third mask is, is simply this. It's your secret mask. And this one's tricky because it's the one that nobody else knows you're wearing, but you do. And I can tell you there's been seasons in my life where I knew I was walking and I was keeping a concealed secret. I was projecting to the world that I was this kind of a person or this kind of a lifestyle or I was buying into this kind of reality. But I knew I was lying. I was, this was the secret. This is the one that I kept for a long, long time when I, when I was struggling with pornography. And I was wearing it in front of all my Christian friends because I didn't want them to know I was struggling. And maybe your secret mask isn't that. Maybe, maybe your secret mask is the fact that you cannot say no to those prescription pills. And you're at church this morning, but every single time you come to church, you have to put on that secret mask and you know what it feels like to, to have to carry that secret. Maybe it's not the, the pills. Maybe it's the, the, the drinking thing. And it started as just like an after work kind of chill out 
you know, break between my work life and my, my home life, but now it's become more than that. It's, it's not a one beer, one glass of wine kind of thing. It's a multiple beers sneaking around, not letting your spouse know exactly how much you're drinking, not letting your kids know, not letting your roommates know, but you're drinking now to a place where you're, you know it's a secret and it's a real issue. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not pills or, or alcohol or, or it's another secret. It's, it's the thing you do at work and you, you, you know, it's by and large, I mean, the IRS shouldn't care, but you gray the lines enough that it's a big deal and, you know, you kind of work your angle with your business partners. Your family has no idea. You'd never tell your pastor about it, but the thing you're doing at work, you know, is an integrous and, and it's a secret mask. And we all have them, but listen to me, you don't need to wear them because God has something more for you to walk into and you're not living the life-giving life that he has on offer if you're wearing a mask, arena, blind spot, or secret. We all need a group because we all need to get in a group and be able to trust people enough to take off the mask. And you don't have to tell every single person in your life what you've been doing or what, what's, what's really going on in your heart, but you need to find at least one person and that's why our groups are such a big deal. We have freedom groups, and we've got men's groups and women's groups, and we've got, we've got groups for college students. We have, and that's where it happens. It happens when you walk into a trusted relationship with that pivotal person, and you begin to take off the mask and stop faking it, and then you listen, you begin to enjoy the life that Jesus died to give you, which is kind of a, a really good um, I guess, forebear to my third point. We all need to become the life-giving person that Jesus died to make us. Here's, here's, I promise you, if you will do these three things today at New Spring Church, if you will give yourself to this and say yes to this, you're gonna walk into more life than you have ever imagined possible. Get in a group, understand that that group is intended for you to take off the mask so you can be the real you, Jesus died to make you and step into the process of transformation. If you'll give yourself to this for one year, step into this, you're gonna see so much life flow out of you, out of your marriage, out of your relationships, out of your singleness, out of your career. It's going to blow your mind, but here's the deal. Satan wants you to do nothing about what I'm saying up here. Because here's his, John 10, 10 describes Satan beautifully. It's in the mouth of Jesus. It says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. I think it's really important that you note the first descriptor that Jesus says of Satan is he's, he wants to steal. He's a thief. He comes to steal. Many of you are Christians. You've asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins, and you've experienced the forgiveness on offer, and you're going to go to heaven when you die. But what you don't recognize, if, if you don't catch this revelation today, is you're going to let Satan steal life from you for the next 50 years. And what's on offer is that Jesus wants you to know, stop letting Satan get in your back pocket and steal from the life God's intended for you to live in. You've got to say yes to Christian community. And listen, this is, this is where I've got to get a little bit, I'm not, I'm not going to get up on a soapbox, but I am going to just point out some things. If you will settle for living your Christian life by watching church online and enjoying your favorite podcast as your ultimate weekly goal and leaning into just being a online viewer of technology is incredible, but so many people do not realize that what Satan is doing is he wants you to settle for podcast preachers and online attending and that that be the ultimate for your Christian experience. But because of that, you never experience the healing that's on offer only by the people of God. 
And I know that every single one of you at our campuses today, you are here. And so you should be given a hand. Thank you for making a way to be here. But you need to know that Jesus has more for you. And I know there's all kinds of varied reasons. And we put all of the content online because God uses technology. And sometimes you're sick. And sometimes you've got something going on at home. And sometimes you're traveling. And you need to watch from a distance. But please hear me. Don't let Satan steal from you by settling for online experience. You need the people of God and the healing that only the people of God can provide. Can I get an amen from all the church folk? Come on, somebody. You've got to. You've got to. And so Satan wants to absolutely steal from you, but in addition to that, he wants you just to settle. Just to settle for casual Christianity. Just to settle for the, the coming and just being a church attender. And so many people know this, this little statement I'm going to make mention of because you've said it before, I've said it before, and people talk about um, Christianity and it being a religion. And you know, you, you've heard the old response to that. Oh, no, Christianity's not about a religion. It's about a... Okay, come on, come on. You gotta wake up, Anderson. I need you. Christianity's not about a religion. It's about a... Yeah, so you know, you've heard that too, relationship. Now, here's the deal. We know the statement Christianity's about a relationship, but how many of us are not actually walking in the power of those relationships? It's about a relationship with God through Jesus so that we might experience forgiveness and it's about a relationship with God's people so we might walk into more freedom, more healing, more life. And what God wants to do is he wants to set us on a course, church, that in 14 cities we're creating so many opportunities for people to take off the mask and to actually begin to experience the life Jesus died on the cross to give us all. So could I invite you to your feet on all of our campuses as we go into a time of worship and response here's, here's, the, here's the ad here's the question do you currently have a group because if you don't then the very next thing you need to do is not ask a question Satan doesn't want you to step into it but you need to say yes to stepping into a group Maybe that means you need to say yes to step into Connect classes. I know right now we, we had our 1115 Connect classes that just took off while we were in here. They're doing Connect out there, and, and they were slammed on all of our campuses. That's because I gave this sermon at 915, and if we didn't have any, uh, if we had any room available, a bunch of them jumped in. But you need to say yes to Connect classes. That's how you're going to get into a group and connect with people on your campus. You need to lean into your campus pastors or one of your pastors in a minute. They're going to tell you about so many opportunities that are happening. But do not settle for just gathering with the people of God on a Sunday when God has life on offer for you every day as you step into community. Um, what is future you going to thank current you about? I'm going to thank you for stepping into relationships. As I was researching for this sermon and getting prepared for it, I actually got a really cool um, uh, article sent to me by our campus pastor in Hilton Head, Jason Smith. And he was showing me this article that Harvard has done research for 75 years. It's actually the longest study Harvard University has ever done. And the whole um, impetus of the study was to look at people's lives and the folks that got to the end of their life and said that they, they really felt like they didn't have a whole bunch of regrets and they had success in life, that they were healthy at the end of their life, that they loved life. 
And then, so they followed all of these people and they were from very different backgrounds. Some of them were from wealthy families and had college education and pedigree. And some of them were from very impoverished families and didn't have necessarily all the things given to them at birth. And so every kind of demographic was studied, but they get to the end of this 75 year study and the one common denominator is people that got to the end of their lives and were healthy and joy filled and loving life. The one common denominator was their relationships that relationships are the thing that is going to matter when it comes in the natural to you having life. It's not your job, it's not your career, it's not how much money you've got in the bank, it's not how many degrees you have, it's not, it's not your spouse specifically, it's, it's the life-giving relationships. It's your five most proximity relationships. And so what we wanna do is we wanna say very clearly that you need these and we are a church committed to giving you this every opportunity, but all we can do is lead you to water. We can't force you to take a step. And so now the ball is in your court. New Spring Church is a life-giving church marked by the presence of God, activating you to impact others. And the only way you're gonna impact your world and the way we believe we're gonna impact the state is we've gotta create more opportunities for you to step into community. So some of you, you need to say yes to groups today. Others of you, you've experienced the life-giving community. Somebody has created and opened up their living room, or maybe they were your fuse group leader when you were in high school, or maybe they led your college Bible study in college. Some of you already know this, and your step is you need to say yes to leading a group. We've got so many opportunities and lots of people today that are going to say yes to being a part of community, and they need somebody to lead them. They need somebody to say yes, somebody that's a little bit reluctant, that that might feel like, I don't have all the answers. We're going to walk with you on every single campus. We've got coaches and shepherds and pastors, but we've got to do a great job of saying yes to that next level of leadership, as many of you say yes to serving as a group leader. We want you to say yes to that today, and it's going to matter because it's going to be the thing that brings life to our cities and our state. So let's pray together and we'll respond. Father God, thank you for today, this message, the clarity of it. Thank you for reminding us that you've got forgiveness on offer this morning. Doesn't matter how many things we've done or how grotesque or gruesome they are, you can forgive us from any of it if we'll just confess. But God, thank you for the revelation that we don't just have to settle for forgiveness, we can actually walk into healing, to freedom, to real life where we get over our yesterdays and begin to walk into our tomorrows. And so even as ministry teams come, as we worship and we respond, would you allow many of us to take our confession and that mask we've been wearing and that you would help us with boldness, pry it off, and that we are safe to say out loud, I need help. I need help in this area. I need prayer in this area. I need somebody to walk with me in this relationship. I need somebody to walk with me through this addiction, through this struggle, through this trial. And that our altars would not be places of pity, but places of power as people walk into the healing you have on offer in the next few moments. And God, I pray that our groups would just explode at New Spring Church, that they would grow and that there would be life-giving houses and living rooms and coffee shops and business offices that as we would see We're not just a Sunday people, we're an everyday people providing life-giving community at every single moment of the day. We love you, Jesus. Be glorified and honored now as we worship. In Christ's name we pray, amen.